Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. Today's episode is devoted to sainthood. See what I did there? As will be at least the two that follow. We reframe devotional spirituality to be about willful body ensoulment rather than surrendering one's personal life, being forgiven for sin, or any other take on saintly spirituality heretofore in consciousness. This includes how your life belongs to the divine, but you get to live it, how unconscious motives must be known in order to truly have free will, how the divine doesn't care what we do, but why we do it, how emotive spiritual maturity is a prerequisite for encountering the divine, and you guessed it, much more. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings and welcome forward, everybody. I almost made the mistake that time, but caught it. Um, <laughs> welcome to you, Stace. Thanks for being here. This is episode 35, and finally, my God, an episode <laughs> on sainthood. Well, we've been referencing sainthood in a bunch of other topics uh, a lot, just like the other two hoods, yeah. um, personhood and uh, sagehood. Um, but uh, sainthood here, I, I have have a feeling will be at least two um, of our podcasts, uh, maybe three even. There's so many different topics that mm -hmm. interlace in uh, sainthood that have become um, really hot topics these days uh, relative to psycho-spirituality and some modern teachings and things. So, yeah, sainthood. Where do we start? It's a big topic. We've <laughs> trounced religion quite a lot already so we won't be doing that anymore we've revised the history of yeshua the nazarene already um there's still plenty left but some of the basics are, are not sure. not yeah, having to be done. yeah we'll um we'll start from uh the bottom up uh mm -hmm. that's actually i was feeling that's the best way to handle a more comprehensive version of all three hoods is we talked about the premises and, and their effects on our on our lives our lives every day, and uh, some of the questions, the thousands of questions that come around it. Um, but uh, today, um, we want to remind everyone that um, uh, the three dharmic paths in identity are personhood, sagehood, and sainthood. And uh, the personhood is based on learning how to emoto spiritually authenticate our personal being. Um, sagehood is about, and that's about who we are mm. as emotively mature, authentic, soulful based beings. Uh, sagehood is about what we are, and that is what are we made of? What what kind of being are we before we show up as a um, uh, a soulful personality? Let's say a soulful based personality, and that what has a lot to do with um, what we call the pre dual, our version of what's called the non dual. And uh, sainthood, which is uh, answers the question why we are here in sainthood, um, all the questions about um, uh, uh, our ontogeny, um, that how we're progeny of a divine being, um, how does human will work with the divine uh, divinity's will? Mm. Um, what is karma? What is incarnation? Um, how does uh, how does the incarnational wheel of rebirth work? What are the premises? 
what are some of the um, assumptions uh, of the ages that um, that uh, identity challenges uh, with what if questions? Uh, what if this wasn't true? And what if this might be true? A whole slew of stuff we'll get into. And since Joseph is the master of uh, digging um, heretofore <laughs> unseen um, rabbit holes in virtually I wanted, any As soon as you said Joseph is the master, I just wanted to say, just stop right there. Whatever you say <laughs> after that isn't true. But I do have a question that, that could serve. Feel free to accept or reject it at this time. But it could serve to frame things. And, and, and that is, if the divine is, uh, we have previously asserted that it's omnipresent, but not omniscient, but still, if it's omnipresent, then why don't we experience it? Why do most people not experience it all the time? That seems like an interesting question that could encompass a lot. Well, there's a good, there's a good um, topic that I had in uh, my heart today to talk about, but I love that you started with it. So okay. it's great. Thank you. Okay. No, it's, a, it's actually a really good um, a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't we experience what the, the teachers and mystics of the ages have been trying to tell us for thousands of years, uh, that there's some kind of divine context for the human theater, uh, because 95% of us do not experience that directly. We've had to default to belief systems and rituals uh, and um, moralities and mm. to please the God in the sky or whatever the deity has been defined as. So um, uh, why don't we experience it? Uh, if we don't experience it, we have to default to beliefs. And as we've several times mentioned, uh, um, beliefs are actually in the way of experiencing. They may mm -hmm. get you, give you a threshold for what they call faith um, out there, um, beliefs. But uh, in the end, they will prevent the actual experience of divine being because you have a thought form uh, uh, based be, uh, or directly situated between you and it, which is a completely artificial, from identity's point of view, an artificial um, dam that's between you and the experience of divine being, belief. That's Including the, the belief that there is no divine being, which exactly is also a right. belief system. Absolutely, right. Mm -hmm. That will keep you from experiencing it just as much, or actually believing in one will, will, will prevent it just as much as not believing in yeah, one. Yeah, which is and, interesting set of metaphysics isn't, there yeah. isn't Tragic. it uh, mm -hmm. and so um that this has gone unnoticed uh, by the vast majority of spiritual teachings um over the centuries they just tell you what you should believe about the divine being that is uh, or isn't right um and so what we want to do in identity is to offer the answer to joseph's question why don't we first of all it's several layers first is we have, we have to stop believing in it. Um, you may have an intuitive um, deepening by through your belief and faith, but the direct experience as if it's in the room um, doesn't have to be made of reflective gravitational mass to be um, uh, experienced in the room. That's all about third eye, another wonderful topic mm. uh, in sainthood, right? So the perception of divine being, um, uh, the first is we have to, we, uh, belief gets in the way. The second is the divine being is um, the most emoto spiritually authentic being of beings. Mm. We could say it that way. And you can't get to the most emoto spiritually authentic being, capital B, while driving a fractal or holon 
uh, vehicle that is not emotionally um, or spiritually mature. In other words, the divine being is the most emotionally, spiritually mature um, being there is. Uh, destination, we could call it a destination for its experience. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we can't get there driving an inauthentic, an emotional, an inauthentic, emoto spiritually um, uh, wound based uh, um, vehicle to arrive at that destination. Um, and that's that since there's been no arbiter or benchmark for emoto spiritual maturity, identity offers one in a what if um, a parenthetical um, uh, offering. Is, um, is another way of saying that it's the ultimate whole with a W, so only a whole self without moving parts, or at least significantly less moving parts, can encounter another whole? A beautiful way to put it. We have to be whole in our whole-on fractal being, small mm-hmm. b being, to ever be able to resonate uh, enough to experience the capital W whole of the wholeness of divine being. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why it's been so um, prejudicially um, tragic uh, to deny spiritual sacredness to the individual, uh, mm-hmm. which has been the case for all of our centuries. Uh, we have to somehow, we've been taught completely tragically erroneously that the human condition is itself an impediment right. to experiencing the divine being, right? That's not whole. Uh, and that is that, that right there cleaves us. Uh, to uh, in such a way as to disallow completely disallow um, the ability to actually experience it. Yeah, as if so, it's this idea like that. You know, I'm gonna I need to spend some time in nature. We go into a forest as if the human <laughs> experience is somehow outside of nature. <laughs> uh, you have to laugh, or else you cry, or some part of you gets um, reasonably uh, frustrated or angry if you don't laugh here. Mm. Um, I don't strategically try to laugh. It just sort of comes after 40 years of trying to um, get this out there into the world. Mm. So uh, we've got two so far. One is belief system prevents it. Our own unwhole, emoto, spiritually immature version of personal selfhood is the second reason we don't experience it. And there's a corollary to that because only the soul actually wants to abide with the divine. The rest of us decidedly doesn't, right? It's it's on purpose that we're not connecting to the divine because our, our protection systems don't want to, right? Is that par- a sub part of two or is that another one? No, it's a, it's a sub part. Um, mm-hmm. That's part of the unwholeness for sure, yeah. as you say. Um, but some some people's protection sure. uh, wants it, wants to experience divine being. Just ask a priest who has forsworn um, a sex or a nun who has married Jesus. Yeah, but they want uh, it on their terms. Yes, that's right. Uh, so, so um, yeah, uh, our our defenses have have been formulated to cope with planet Earth, and some want to cope with planet Earth by stopping coping with planet Earth by transcending the human unwholeness. Mm. Uh, in other words, from for example, in a sage who drags in or um, Advaita Vedanta. Uh, it doesn't, in some traditions, not all, some uh, traditions would say, what what's the use of um, trying to heal yourself? Because in the end, your healed self will be just as dualistic as your non-healed oh, self. Hold on. I, you just casually said something, as you sometimes do. I'd never thought about transcendence as a meta coping mechanism. That's, I've never heard you say <laughs> that before. That's quite uh, brilliant and tragic at the same time. 
Yeah, maybe we should let that seek. Um, um, so transcendence a as a meta coping is because it would never a transcender would never say they're coping. No, but if you observed how they're actually employing transcendence, it would be relatively easy to see that yes. in fact it is. But it's it's more sophisticated than any smaller coping mechanism. Absolutely, hence but, the meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. A lot of the metaphysics, if you get some intellectual version of a Zen master um, uh, interested in metaphysics, which is not that not that um, easy to find, um, no. they, their teaching about transcendence um, uh, is very clear. Transcendence isn't about um, escaping from, mm -hmm. it's about including it, but subsuming it. Uh, mm -hmm. In other words, you include and don't resist the human condition. Um, uh, uh, you include it in your track, but um, it's subsumed under the greater outshining of the deeper reality out of which it arises. Yeah, which results That's in the dissolving of the ego. And I'm not trying to, I just talked to someone recently about this who was really into Vipassana. <laughs> and it yeah. was like, oh no, I'm not trying to transcend over that. He was saying, I'm not, it's just the ego starts to dissolve on its own. Well, yeah, it, it, it seems to, but that was sort of your general intention for that to happen before you even sat down, right? So yes, that's it, that's a pillar of the faith, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which would never say it is the faith. Um, but, no, yeah. of course not. But we're being a little pejorative here. Yeah. Uh, so so in that sense, um, the metaphysics are fine, but the actual experience of transcendence exclusivates the ego. Yeah, exclusivates the ego, and as soon as you exclude, exclusivate, um, you're coping. You're trying to escape. There's no escape from this escape clause. Uh, if there's something to transcend at all, you're into exclusivation. If you if you bring yeah, it down, and, and there's another subtle version of it. I once read. I don't know who said it, but it was like enlightenment is walking around in a constant state of amazement or something like that. And it's like, okay, so there's all sorts of aspects of duality that you're sort of supposed to be post awakening, like enthralled with, but the difficult emotions and all that you just allow them to be. Yes, and there's not the same level of engagement and curiosity. That's a difference, you know. It's not. Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's a significant difference. And it's like, oh no, those things I just allow them to be, and eventually they what? Go away, which was sort yes. of the idea. Right. They seem to go away. Yes. Right. They Experientially go they go away. Experientially. But again, that's only the conscious mind, the conscious being that sees them dissipate over time if you stop paying attention to them. You mm -hmm. accept them, but don't pay attention to them. You don't give them their um the the depth of their um being, the depth of their of their theme. Yeah. Uh, you you observe it that way. But of course, as we've been saying for 34 sessions on the <laughs> podcast, um, uh, in one way or another, what we're conscious, our conscious being only comprises about a third of our whole consciousness being, and that we're all responsible for the contents of our unconscious. And since uh, these transcendent-based uh, um, teachings were pre-psychological, like the Western religious ones are all pre-psychologically incepted, back in the um, axial age there's no appreciation for the unconscious all everything is done with the conscious mind which is a little crazy making for me since the conscious mind is only the the tip of the iceberg is literally an iceberg in an ocean of unconscious material 
So, yeah, and it's interesting uh, to think about like the early transcenders, um, you know, not long after the Buddha's time, when they would allow something to be and it would disappear. They literally didn't have the concept of the unconscious that it could disappear too. So it was out yeah. of sight, literally out of mind. I <laughs> guess it's gone. <laughs> they they didn't have any structure, any model, any. No, I, no, no. They, they, it, it's all yeah, experiential. It was yeah. all experiential, right? Mm -hmm. But for identity, um, we would say that that form of acceptance as a form of transcendence um, is for insects. Um, mm. That's adaptation. That's adaptive. Let's not um, let's not uh, pay attention to uh, either too much positive emotion, too much negative emotion, too much positive thoughts, too much negative thoughts. Let's just go wholesale, not retail, and look at the nature of thoughts. And this is why one one Zen master, when I tried to argue this with him, once said that uh, we don't have to. Okay, point point taken. There is a big ocean of the unconscious. But since we don't worry about the content of consciousness, only its dualistic structure, it, we don't have to go through every bit of the unconscious. All we have to do is recognize that the structure, the dualistic structure of consciousness is in itself unenlightened, and we just watch it go. So even if there is an ocean of unconscious, we're going to the essence of what makes mind create an ego, not its content. Now, this is, a, this is a pretty compelling argument. I, I like the way he he, he, he framed it. Um, but I said it was more like that. His answer is like um, the snake swallowing its own tail, his own metaphysics precluding any curiosity how that might be a snake swallowing its own tail. Yeah, for some reason, uh, I get the image of storing nuclear waste under a mountain. It's sort of like, <laughs> well, it's not going to hurt anyone there. And yeah. it's going to, you yeah. know, it's half life is 50,000 years, but we'll just put it there and no one yeah. will know why. Just go away from the mountain then. What's the problem? Exactly. So um, let's, let's finish up this little tail end of sainthood yeah. because it, it'll go directly to sainthood. Okay, good. Um, so uh, the, um, the acceptance of a rising dualistic based beinghood as an illusory product of an illusory ego, ego um, is in itself escaping because what it does is it, in its wonderful goal of avoiding overindulgence or underindulgence in the middle way Gotama uh, talked about, mm -hmm. um, it loses, it does, it's not defined on the nature of consciousness being emotive, primarily emotive. Um, it, it's based on the fact that the mind or the human consciousness is basically mentalized or physicalized, the body, mind, the body, mind, the body, mind, mm -hmm. right? And, and since they assign, and here's the catch-all that buries the whole thing, emotions are just as discreet in their picture as emotivity is just as discreet as thoughts, images, or, um, or uh, uh, nouns. Uh, they can all be nounified. Well, depression, here's a feeling of this, here's a feeling versus that. So they bury the whole idea. Uh, they would never discover that uh, the emotive primacy of consciousness because they've already relegated it to an equally, it's a softer form of a dualism than a thought, mm -hmm. um, a feeling is. Sure it is. Uh, but it's still dualistic because it's this feeling versus that feeling. It has a so beginning anyway, and an end. That's so, right. Yeah. And ex exactly right. And uh, and so anything I remember once uh, a master, uh, I forget who it was. Um, somebody asked him in, in his sangha, in his satsang, uh, what, what, what's the cause of death? What's the cause of death? 
uh, in this timeless sort of impersonal. Mm. Uh, and his answer, <laughs> his answer was birth. Nice. <laughs> it wasn't that, isn't that great birth? Birth is the cause of death. And that's, <laughs> that's the, there's, isn't that wonderful? There's oh, the yeah. bare bones, rubber meets the road, fetch wood, uh, carry water, you know, there's their picture of things. It's all um, um, like the kids' uh, cartoon books used to be, all black outline, black and white. Mm -hmm. This is what it is, what it is. They don't color in because any content that you, of colors we color in those lines, which we would call emotivity, uh, differing colors, are still bounded by dualistic boundaries, and um, they're not really important. So they 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 literally are wearing transcendental based um, uh, goggles um, and uh, can't see the forest the the trees for the forest in this mm -hmm. case yeah right so um, we would say no uh, we come from a completely different place that go didn't occur to Gotama or Yeshua or 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 Descartes or anyone up until now that um, that we are emotive beings before of course before we are physical, willful, or mental beings. And that's a what if that were true thing that identity offers that changes everything. So everything we say about sainthood uh, in these next two couple podcasts is based on this idea that um, this what if we are emotive beings before we're physical or mental or willful. What if? What's the what are the ramifications? In that sense, you know, people, I am an ex-guru. We'll talk about that sometime soon too. Uh, I'm an ex-guru. Uh, and well, we talked about it before. You mean more on that? More, yeah, okay. more, a little more. You had mentioned that earlier, an earlier podcast, a little bit more, maybe personally. Um, but along those lines, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm no longer a guru in, in that sense. Uh, I, 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 I'm actually a spiritual philosopher. Mm -hmm. that, that is what I am. Um, it started, identity started out as a philosophical orientation. Um, and of course, it had a spiritual root to it. So in, in that sense, this spiritual educator offers this emotional, emotive primacy of consciousness changes everything about everything in personhood, everything in sagehood, and today's topic, uh, everything in sainthood. So in that sense, um, the emoto spiritual, me mature vehicle that our being is, is critical to... Um, uh, resonate with, and that's how we contact divine being. We resonate with it. We have inborn, innate, we've created inborn, innate bandwidths that can resonate with the divine being's emoto spiritual primacy, which, wait for it, is all this time been taught as love. What do you know? Love. Love is not a mental thing. Love is not a physical thing. Love is an emotional thing. And if the divine being whose essence is love, as we've said in other podcasts, has been said by the greatest spiritual teachers we've ever had, all say that God is love, the ones that talk about God, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in its essence. And it loves you so much, it will send you to hell, of course, for Catholicism. <laughs> and uh, you only get one chance. You only get life. one chance. That's a God of love enforcing tough love. Um, yes. And so, um, okay, that's fine. But love, and so if divine being is made of love then so are we and that the simple connection how many nights over a long life when i started on this path 40 years ago how many nights i cried literally wept 
on how that connection is so obvious and so un under underdeveloped and under um, investigated. What it, we what if we're love first? You even hear that in a lot of paradigms. We're made of love. We're 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 children of divine being. Love is the answer to everything. John Lennon would agree, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what are the ramifications of that? What 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 are the sequelas to that? Including self love. That's a whole other topic. Including self love. How do you right? do that? How do you get there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's another wonderful topic. Maybe that'll come out of what we talk about here. Mm-hmm. So the point here being is that the the how we got off on this particular rabbit hole, which turned into a wormhole, and now leads back <laughs> to our a new version of the sainthood. Because uh, <laughs> that's what wormholes do. They take you to yes, new places. They, they, exactly right. Uh, is that um, our our ability to um, relate with divine being requires an emotional spiritually created consciousness, and that's why to answer your question, uh, there's one more thing. Uh, one is beliefs, emotional spiritual um, mature mm-hmm. vehicle of consciousness, and we need what's called casually third eye to be able to experience directly um, divinity in every moment now, now, and now. We all have it. All of our souls have this capacity, but it's plugged up mostly uh, for the majority of people, but it comes forward as most people as this funny, unrefined topic called intuition. Mm -hmm. So intuition is Peaking is like sort of the uh, the uh, let's say from where you're at, uh, intuition is is the um, Maui uh, top of a mountain that Mm -hmm. is below the surface of the ocean, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, that that mountain goes all the way down to the seabed, and that the whole rest of the mountain uh, is uh, the third eye capacity that just shows up as intuition as in this metaphor Maui, right? Mm. So intuition is our track. Everyone's got it. Some people have developed it. Some people have learned how to compress it uh, down because it interferes with everyday life or it's terrifying to them if they're aware of things that are not um, physical floating around in the room. Lots of different uh, issues about third eye. But the combination of a a well-developed third eye capacity, sixth chakra in the forehead, um, uh, a a Nomoto spiritually mature vehicle of consciousness and thereby the lack of beliefs which no emoto spiritually mature vehicle has goes by beliefs anymore those three are the three gateways in succession or in different successions um, that uh, will impart to you an experience of the divine being now and now and now within which we're held now and now and now and within ourselves exists inside of us in the holoarchal picture of divinity so that was a mouthful. Yeah. Um, but um, what, how, how does that suss out? Let's go one more layer with an, what an emoto spiritually mature vehicle, um, how that's created or what, what that means. In a sainthood domain, it means something really specific. It means that, um, let's, let's look at the three choices that our planet has come up with. Um, our, our, um, we could say there's three main categories about our life. Atheism would say, my life belongs to me and me only, right? Um, Sagehood would say, uh, my life belongs to no one because there is no you in there. Mm. And almost all of our pictures of a 
self-aware God, which is is um, is is prevalent in Western spiritual or religious traditions. Uh, uh, it's not my life belongs to me. That's 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 uh, taboo. That's selfish. That's Satan talking to you, right? Mm. My long my life belongs to no one. Well, that that that's just put down a, a rabbit hole and stuffed away in Western religion. No real appreciation, except for the Kabbalah. Um, part of mystical uh, Judaism. Yeah, um, I never really connected the the myths about Satan. Like he he's always trying to elicit personal self interest and yes. and sh in a way that like sh shows people that that that's away from God. Like I'm going to make yes. you a deal. You'll have the right. things that you want, right. and then the right. joke is on you because your own right. personal desire is the means to your self destruction. And now I own your soul forever. Exactly. Um, Self-interest wow. is the sin, the ultimate mortal sin. And look what, and that's retail though. That's retail. It's based on your actions and your, your motives and things. Mm -hmm. Sagehood, the East went the other direction. <laughs> it wholesaled self-interest uh, as an illusion, but it's still, it's still a, um, a, a smear on our individual humanity, right? Yeah. One, yeah. one is self-interest by retail gets you to hell. Self-interest in wholesale keeps you unenlightened. It's the same principle, only wait, taking wait, say more about directions. what the difference is. A retail self-interest is, is like content. I want things. Yes, and then yes, in sagehood, yes. it's like, well, all desire, the you who desires is actually the problem. That's the wholesale <laughs> thing. I see. Right. The, the you that had the self that has interest is the illusion, right? Right. So Sage so, would say, oh, you've been trying to manage your good and bad desires with no, right. with ill effects. Just give up on the you who has desire entirely and then you'll be free. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The li liberation is um, is uh, uh, is so seductive, uh, but in transcendence based uh, sagehood. See, mm -hmm. so. So, but for religious-based um, God, the self-aware God, because there's no self-aware God in Eastern mysticism, mm -hmm. um, it's that was way too personal for there to be way a, too, a oh, guy no. with a beard. Yeah, no, impossible, right? So, our choices are: my life belongs to me if I'm a hedonist atheist, or just even a nice guy atheist. Right? <laughs> nice um, guy atheist. My my uh, my um, uh, uh, if I'm a sage master, a sage uh, a Zen master, uh, my 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 life belongs to no one because there's no my. There's no my to make a me. My, yes, my, who is that? No. Right, right exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the religious version is um, my life belongs only to God, not to me. Mm -hmm. See? In which case, so, altruism is the only way to go. And then there, there's the intrinsic metaphysical basis for the medicine of altruism. Mm -hmm. It's retail. Get out. Um, uh, don't think of the needs of yourself. Don't have self-interest. Have interest only in the welfare of others. Um, that's their retail way to get out of the self, as opposed to sages' um, or mm -hmm. wholesale way, right? So altruism is the key: unconditional love, um, sacrifice. The twin, the the, the tripoled hydra uh, of the metaphysical tragedy of Western religion. Well, what are the three parts? Altruism, altruism, unconditional love, and sacrifice. And sacrifice. They're, they're all we're all the, that trio are in one ugly um, poison mushroom uh, or poison apple, let's say. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Uh, you take a bite and you're hooked, and um, you're expelled from Eden, but only that. And we have the opposite metaphor. You're expelled from actually experiencing the true divine being that does not play games like this 
um, in, in the very in a, at least. So we've got my life belongs to me only, my life belongs to no one, or my life belongs only to God, not to me. Those are the three um, uh, choices we've had. And identities say uh, sainthood track says no to all three. It says um, my life belongs to divine being, but its eternal gift to me is that I get to live it. Mm -hmm. It's a shared dynamic. And that I is a real I. It's a, an I of soul, a soul I, a soul identity that does show up later in the gravitational field of this universe as a, as a, as a human body. Um, but uh, in, that, in that sense, it does belong to divine being because we are progeny of it. We are downline expressor children of it. Uh, so we're indelibly linked to it ont ontogenically. Um, uh, uh, but its eternal gift to us is that we get to live our own lives. So it's both. It's both. It belongs to us as a gift, but it belongs to divine being as an essence. As a I may be skipping ahead here, but it, is the will of the divine and the will of the soul necessarily the same in any moment? Oh, um, no, this is the central question. Um, I just defined the headline, mm -hmm. but the next level down, so, boy, you're really good at this, Mr. Interviewer. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the next level down is the peculiarly prickly issue of will. Free will, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. will. Now, because will is the actuator of our chosen beings. Um, mm -hmm. Will is what is upstream. The capacity, our willfulness, allows choices and decisions, right? And choices and decisions create both the context and the content of our lives. And so if we're going really upstream here to the more essential versions, that willfulness becomes the issue of uh, how to adjudicate <laughs> the will of our personal being with the will of divine being, given this headline that our will is down is real and our I is real, but it's down line and it's not quite as real as the reality of divine beings will out of which we arise every moment and now and now and now. In other words, here we are one of our favorite mantras, you know, everything's real, but some things are more real than others. Mm -hmm. Divine beings will is more real because it pre-existed us, but ours mm -hmm. is just as real because it's part of God. And if God is real, we're just a downline version of it. So our willfulness is a downline version. That's why it's a gift. It's not, we don't get just one lifetime. We get as many lifetimes as we like and as many different 27 soul species. Oh, soul species, another topic here, right? Yeah, that's in the near future, I think. Um, and so uh, since we're downline versions of us, think, think of an octopus with infinite amount of legs. And uh, Well, you make and, that sound easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the octopus uh, itself, the, the brain of the octopus is, is a divine being's um, a willful center. And you, we're at the very tips of every one of its legs. And, and that the leg is actually our umbilicus that connects our small self uh, relative to God, our, our being, you and me that are talking right now. Um, we have an umbilicus to divine being back to the central uh, aspect of it. And that's the octopus head, let's say. And we're the, we're the last tip uh, on one of its tails. And there are 
an infinite amount of, not tails, legs, um, infinite amount of legs on the octopus, uh, squirming and being alive at all moments. And the way in this picture metaphor, the way, how we, how do we experience divine being? We uh, connect to our soulful umbilicus, uh, our own individual soulful umbilicus to it through the Dharma of sainthood based in will. And that's why we call uh, the um, uh, ensoulment uh, that occurs in sainthood dharma in identity is willful body, willful body ensoulment, WBE, where it's mental body ensoulment in sagehood and emotional body ensoulment in personhood. So in willful body ensoulment, um, we learn to balance our real will connected to a real soul I with the will of divine being in how and and all the millions of ways we sculpt our personal lives we have to choose we have to make our choices and then all the decisions downline of our choices that branch off to support that choice i made a choice to leave uh, graduate school for parts unknown and then i had thousands of decisions later that uh, i learned were either supportive of that choice or were actually unconsciously in the way of that choice so we make a distinction in the willful domain between choices and decisions choices are upstream they're the nodal um first off our our, our the first thing that we make and then our decisions branch out from there like capillaries off a main artery to um, all the small decisions we make in our life um, so in that sense we'll get into the dharma actually what a uh, willful body ensoulment means, but you hit the nail on the head with your acute peen of your acute mental body hammer uh, and nailed it, bud. Uh, <laughs> I so, don't remember what it was. Willfulness. But, uh, but oh, yeah, that's right. Will. The question of free will. will. And, right. and you know, for those of those people who have not studied philosophy, which is, of course, the majority of people, uh, I like to point out that this is one of these cases where Identity is taking on a, a millennia-old question. I mean, the question of free will goes back, I'm sure, at yep. least 7,000 years. As, as long as yep. there was an individual and a notion of the divine, this yes. has been a, a question of how to resolve the two. And identity has a, a metaphysically compelling way of framing it that does not have any contradictions that I perceive. Well, we, we keep uh, looking for them. And, and, yeah. and you and I... Um, Let's see, of, of all the, the people who are more central and have dedicated their lives to investigating the truth, the sobriety of identity, you and I um, and Eric, uh, Eric uh, Grace, Grace um, yeah. uh, kind of um, lead the pack in always looking for contradictions. And, and that must be, that, that must be, especially for myself as the inceptor of it, if I'm not actively looking for doubt, uh, in doubt space and curiosity about it, and I've got you and Eric to always um, uh, look at some of my blind spots to see if I'm, I'm not embodying what I teach uh, in that way, it's beautiful and wonderful. So in that sense, um, if we stick with what the, with the nature of free will, it's, it's when we make a decision based on our freedom of will let's let's phrase it out let's parse it a little more directly our freedom of will um there's there's no argument that can be made that we don't have freedom of will unless you are a person in a paradigm who says we're mind first or matter first well it's our genes that control 
our willfulness. Oh, biological no. determinism. Mm -hmm. Yes, biological determinism. Or if we're uh, if 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 there's no such thing as a self, it's only neuronal um, uh, cathection. Uh, what neurons do with the cathection of external experience in Sage? Well, um, our choices and decisions are either pro-self, anti-self, or somewhere in between. And so they take the track of anti-self while saying, well, we support the self. But when you say the self is an illusion, you can't inclusivate. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't. All the stuff about acceptance and, and sage. Wait, it's an illusion. You can't accept it. You accept it only as an illusion. And that that denies sobriety of of con content based being. Yeah. Try doing that with one of your coworkers. Oh, I accept you. <laughs> I think you're illusory, but I completely accept you. Like. I mean, that's going to piss uh, them off. <laughs> Joseph, that, that isn't it astounding that that simple, uh, duh thing is mm -hmm. so missed in, 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 in otherwise, uh, really much more subtle, uh, metaphysics, uh, in, uh, in the Eastern way, but they miss such an obvious thing goes mm -hmm. tails right back to our transcendence critique critique. Mm -hmm. So let's, so how does this suss up, um, in atheism, 100% of our personal will is permitted. In fact, it's all we've got, right? Yeah. Uh, we have one life, just like the religious people say, we have one life, but it's ours, it belongs to us. And whatever morality, humanistic-based reality, uh, morality we, uh, we ascribe to, our free will will be put in service of whatever our value system tells us it should be, right? But 100% of our personal will is permitted. In non-dual uh, non atheism, though, um, 0% there's real personal will permitted because if the, if the whole self or ego is an illusion, so is uh, willfulness. Now, willfulness is just a, a, a sequela, an unfoldment of the illusory personal self. Not to be uh, taken seriously. Not to be taken yeah. seriously, mm. no. Except except in the teachings of non-dual Buddhism, let's say, um, or, or Advanta, Advaita Vedanta. But the desire to enlighten, that's yes, a willfulness that is that, to be taken seriously. It's a willful thing that we deconstruct our will to get to. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you ask a Zen master, how does that track? Uh, mm -hmm. They'll say, it doesn't, and that's the truth of it. That's the mystery of it. It doesn't. That's it. Now you're getting it. Now you're mm -hmm. getting it. If you see a contradiction, there's the proof that what we're saying, it's illusory because the illusory brain comes up with contradictions. The contradictions oh, is their oh, point. Man. It makes my head hurt. Oh, wow. You just got it. I mean, yeah. you felt it there. Yeah. You felt it. It's just, it's nauseatingly uh, frustrating. It's a it's yeah. a Gordian knot mm -hmm. uh, that that uh, uh, Napoleon can't cut uh, uh, cut through, right? Like mm -hmm. he did on uh, back in the day. So uh, non-dual atheism, there's a zero percent of personal will is real because everything's illusory. And in in theistic religionism, one hundred percent of God's will is mandated zero for um, uh, for for you. Isn't that interesting that the God of Western religion, uh, God's will only counts, yours is zero, but then if that agrees with the East, that, that we have zero, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, atheism says 100%, well, it's 100% of God's. 
that <laughs> it's so interesting to me that non or western based religionism takes a hundred from one from the atheistic side from the um uh, body only side no god and uh then zero percent from um a, a non-dual non-dual eastern teachings and puts it together in one it's a hundred percent gods and zero years mm. it's really a unique um uh, a crazy kind of uh um resonance there hmm. so in that case um identity steps in and says nope all three um are products of uh, an earlier e evolved less evolved um uh emoto uh, spiritual uh, mature uh, perspe perspective and that it's a it belongs to divine being but it gives us the eternal gift of living it ourselves as our soulful selves so i there's a, a a metaphor trying to be created in my you know illusory um illusion creating mind uh mm -hmm. and that is i'm imagining a person in a house like maybe a teenager and the mm -hmm. house is not theirs and they don't make all the rules so like mm -hmm. if if we're if the divine being is the ultimate parent with a capital p Mm -hmm. what is the human um metaphoric analogy here like you get to take the car out but you gotta you know you, you gotta bring it back by midnight like what's the how much how much of your life is your own compared to uh -huh. what divine being is saying is okay and isn't does that metaphor work at all um not well but the concept of it i can play with yeah but let's let's see if we can uh, maybe i can answer uh i've never been presented with this particular metaphor so let's okay. let's talk about it divine being would say um 100 of your free will is yours to do whatever you want mm -hmm. just like atheism would say mm -hmm. and by utilizing my gift this is it talking my gift of freedom of will for you forever and ever and ever you get to learn through trial and error what system of choices and decisions supporting those choices what value system directs your willfulness i'm giving you carte blanche here have at it you get thousands of lives if that's what you want to learn uh -huh. this but one day you will learn through the very the um, emoto spiritually mature vehicle of consciousness, which choices are based in my will, and which choices which choice which is is goodness and openness priorities unfoldment into unknowns that are beautiful. That's my will's pressure mm -hmm. on your will, but your will's pressure is um, I've got to find out for myself that um, hedonistic. Um, multi-partnered um, orgiastic uh, hedonism isn't the way um, you'll find god said divine being says you'll find if that's what you got to do do it if that's any anyone on the spectrum lgbtq that's fine if you have to be a criminal you have to be a pope whatever it is you got to do do it go for it go for it one day you will dead end in patterns you'll you'll start getting the the idea that huh i I did this this hedonism thing, and I got I got a virus uh, from my um, uh, a terrible virus from my sexual activity, my mm. orgiastic self, and maybe this isn't the best way to serve my self interest. So and the individual in the house, then teenager or whatever, gets to do whatever they want, right? But every single one of their actions will have consequences that they will have to face, 
Yes. And I imagine if they continue to make the same mistakes and don't learn the lesson, then the consequences get more intense. They do. This is the law of karma. And uh, in that sense, uh, divine being is the holds deed to the house. The house and you are downline versions of it in different domains. Um, and so you get to do whatever you want to learn yourself. Yourself gets to learn, not listen to some credo, uh, the Nicene Creed um, or, or a Quran or a Bible. You yourself, by your freedom of will, will find out what the rules of the house are. Not because I say so, but because they just are and I can't help it. That's divine being. And, not, and, and divine ahead. being is not direct in like the Old Testament punitive way, like you did this and now you must pay. It's no. going to give you sort of um, hints through the consequences of your actions that it wasn't the best thing because it cares about your own self-authority and so it wants you to learn it your own way. So yes. it's going to... It's going to be a soft touch manager, so to speak. A soft touch manager, <laughs> a good metaphor. Yes, uh -huh. a soft touch, a soft touch manager. Um, but its um, its karmic dead ends are difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, that's they're not soft edged. Yeah. But that's not its intention to punish. It just unfolded the way it did and discovered its own self knowledge by unfolding. There was no. For, think of divine being, um, the mystery of it, which is the ontology, ontogeny of divine being's self-realizations we've talked about before. Um, it just unfolded the way it did and found that that heartful love and bounty is its nature, and all of its children have the capacity to create that for themselves with an infinite amount of choices and decisions um, to get there. So the house rules are hidden in our experience. They're huh. not dictated or downloaded or channeled by some guy who's, who, where the myth says lightning bolts carve the laws of God on stone tablets. Right. The consequences or, are in context, not content, usually. Ex exactly mm -hmm. right. Exactly. So we get to discover uh, what the house rules are. And lo and behold, at some point, maybe 300 lifetimes in, 400 lifetimes in, um, and it's in the last 130,000 years, you start to realize that the house rules benefit you. Yeah. That if you learn, you learn, wait a minute, this one doesn't have this particular domain I'm choosing, um, how, how to heal my unconscious. There, there's no inherent dead end to that. There's no inherent dead end, only more and more heartful, soulful information evinced, evinced, Mm -hmm. for your digestion or not, whether you can do whatever you want, even with what, what's, what's, what's curious, mm. what you're curious about. It makes it's me think I've had, I have right now, and I've had a number of times a situation where I have a business client who is, has a lot to learn about management, a lot to learn about leader, leadership, very difficult for them. They're kind of below the curve, but have managed to build a business to a certain place. And then suddenly they get the option to be bought out. And they look at this question of like, well, should I take that money and just bail on this? But I think I could build it a lot bigger. And then there's this fork in the road of like, okay, it looks like they're getting squeezed relative to, to their leadership abilities. If they kept the business, they would have to grow as people and become better leaders. Or they could take the $5 million and cash out and retire for the rest of their lives. But the feeling I always have around that 
is it's a shortcut and they're sort of trying to quit the game and mm-hmm. evading the lesson, the, their life lessons. Mm-hmm. And um, any thoughts about that? Like how, how somebody would frame that? It's a destiny question, isn't it? Well, um, it depends on the value system. Yes, of, of course. course. Um, if their prime directive was to become financially independent, mm-hmm. that's a different parameter of consciousness than um, bringing something new to the world for the benefit of self and other. Um, mm. Those are two different value systems. So in one case, it might be that for their particular lifetime imperative that they set up ahead of time, um, bailing out uh, or what you call bailing out might be what they're supposed to do to learn some lesson mm-hmm. uh, that it's a that it's a dead end or not a dead end, mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, uh, sticking with it until the end and, and learning one way or another whether they were right about that they could grow it even bigger. Yeah, uh, they might both success and failure in both of those options um, maybe up for one person it would be a success the other person it would be a failure. That's everyone's uh, track of uh, freedom of will utility. The utility of freedom of will is different, and in different lifetimes, even different. Sure. So um, unanswerable uh, in any sort of general way to that question. So that ind- individual in- would have to know their incarnational imperatives. Yes. And have a at least decently open third eye to be able to get a sense of what is divine will here and what is my own soul's will. Um, yes. beyond just you know what's comfortable or convenient exactly so this is why identity is hard to describe when people people say well tell me something about identity yeah that's um, the hardest question in the world Bree, Bree <laughs> laments this uh every day uh, uh every day of the week and twice on sunday uh, <laughs> how do i describe what we do um because everything is custom and we have a whole structural um, uh, um, uh, uh, maze we could call or p- track three separate tracks that all converge at some point um, that will guide you to what we're about so we can talk in these podcasts what it's all about and I think that's one of the best utilities that you your idea here to, to Q&A me because we people can get an intuitive and a practical sense for what it involves but your personal journey of it is not comparable to anyone else's journey through it yeah, that's sort of you like, can't... you know, I can tell someone like what Maui's like and mm-hmm. but they're going to have their own particular experience of it. And what I whatever I tell them in one way is completely irrelevant, but yes. another way it informs what their journey will be like. You know, when sure. It, it's at least it's, it gives them some benchmarks. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But if they don't like humidity, um, they, they better go to Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, they won't like. No, uh, they can go to South Maui. It's not that humid oh, there, there at go. all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maui's got it all. That's exactly yes, right. Does. So so the idea here is that um, you've got to be informed about the the unconscious motives for your conscious choices. Um, Let me say that again. We're flying blind unless we get at one day, one lifetime, that there are there's a sequence of unconscious motive, conscious intention, conscious action and actuated outcome. Now, the world's got the bottom, the the final three pretty good. Well, get your intentions aligned with whatever, and you'll manifest, you'll you'll action uh, actionate and manifest with outcomes. But none really get into the metaphysics of the unconscious motives that drove those conscious intentions. And that's the information that identity gives people. 
It gives them access to their unconscious motives that their free freedom of will then chooses un, chooses conscious intentions to create conscious actions, to create conscious outcomes. Without that upstream unconscious motive to our conscious intentions, we are not informed about the sobriety of our choices. And the, and the free will we think we have is actually not free will. It's bound mm. by our own unconscious wounds. Exactly. Mm. If you don't unearth the wounds that configure the um, unconsciously wounded motives of that create conscious intentions that may not at all be in alignment or resonance with our soulful goals this life, you will have to keep living life by starting with conscious intention until you realize one day, one life, that's a dead end too. You can't ever get any real traction with soulfulization of your human experience till you have access to your unconscious motives behind your conscious intentions. So this is how the whole will headline breaks down to some very delicate but very clear guidelines and benchmarks that you can feel heal through the sobriety to the sobriety of your choice mechanism as a subset of your willfulness hmm. see and that's how it's cleansed in sainthood we have a whole dharmic track uh, that's that's predicated on you've already done enough sage uh, personhood and sagehood um, to now get to sainthood um, we don't help people go deep in their sainthood right from the get-go uh, because there'll be too many unconscious motives for trying to deepen their sainthood <laughs> that they haven't uncovered yet. Um, mm. So in that sense, everything we've been saying, Joseph, to say it as bluntly as we can, as we said before, for the real divine being, there's no such thing as sin. Mm. There is no such thing as sin. And all of Western religion is predicated on good, bad, right, wrong, sinfulness, or um uh, piety you know what what's the uh they're all dualistic uh, opposites and what if ask yourself a listener who's listening to this with some curiosity and interest um what if there was no such thing as sin how deeply have you been conditioned by western religionism that you you one day have to shed in order to get to the um real god of of divinity in other words all religions lead people to a version of god but their versions of God are patently a false God. The God of Judaism is a false God. The God of Christianity is a false God. The God of Islam is a false God. The God of hedonism is a false God. Uh, um, the only real God is one that um, is, is experienceable through your soulful emergence, through your personality to where your personality has been healed enough to accommodate the authenticity of your soulful eye. When that day arrives, you have a chance to start, just to start to learn how to perceive the divine being as a real thing now and now and now and now. But, but no such thing as sin, no punishment, only dead ends, yeah, karmic dead ends. In this, in this picture, in this model, the a wrong choice is not really a wrong choice it's just a learning path to because how else would you discover the unconscious motives if you didn't play them out at least right. sometimes right and then what what i find fascinating is how the 
the sinification of something inside a religious context or not, when someone is beating themselves up about something, there's no room to get to the unconscious motive. And it just That's goes right. back in a circle when you're beating yourself up or if someone else is beating up or you believe you've sinned in front of God, it takes away the curiosity and investigation and exploration that would actually lead someone to yeah. see, oh, I made a great choice based on what I knew at the time, and this is exactly the mistake I needed to make in order to learn X, Y, and Z, right? which would be based in love. Right. Exactly right. Like my uh, career uh, as a 10-year career as a guru, mm -hmm. uh, it had to crash um, and it was the best thing in the world, is the worst thing in content that ever happened to me yeah. and the best thing in context that ever happened to me. And I had to hit, hit that dead end to reflect back to me unconscious motives that drove my conscious intentions, actions, and outcomes. It's that simple. I'm the, I'm the guy who brought this into the world, uh, humbly and pridefully, both with pride and with humility. Um, uh, but I had to undergo the same goddamn thing that, ever, that the paradigm says. And up until that point, I hadn't. So mm -hmm. I'm a perfect example of the, of the embodiment of this truth that it's just dead endings, and the dead endings, dead endings can be brutal. Mm. But that's not God punishing you for making a mistake. It's saying, look what you discovered. As that notable Buddhist teacher says, fail, fail again, fail better, mm. fail better then, fail better. Emotional spiritual growth is failures. You keep failing better and better and better and better until you, you realize you don't have any more dead ends to hit. <laughs> and the, uh, that would be called a failure. The, and back to the house metaphor, the, the teenage consciousness wants, likes the I get to do whatever I want part, but wants to omit or negotiate with the consequences. Yes. Whereas we would say a mature person embraces and investigates and literally loves those consequences because those consequences are the operation of the divine. That's that's how we learn. Absolutely right. In my um, because the world was so stone deaf uh, to identity back in 2000, 2002, as I f finally formulated the basic version of it, 1.0, the 1.0 mm -hmm. version of it, I got my will. Um, out of nothing, created a nonprofit um, with some help from some people, but I created the nonprofit. So, okay, world, if you're not going to listen, I'm going to make my own pulpit. So I mm -hmm. made my own pulpit for identity and it was beautiful. It, um, it had good stuff and bad stuff in it, but in the end, it had too much of my unconscious wounds in being the leader of it that mm -hmm. didn't get my impact on people. And that was the lesson I had to learn, that I, I was teaching good stuff, but I wasn't embodying it. And so without that crash, I'd never be able to be able to say that um, I finally learned how to embody my own bloody paradigm that mm. was in, divinely inspired in me, however that may be interpreted. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, imagine a God that loves you so much, even though you are a child umbilical umbilicus to it eternally mm -hmm. through your soul uh, umbilicus gives you life to live it as long as you want in any way that you want and the only mandate the only rule meta rule uh, 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 meta rule is learn mm -hmm. learn what works if you keep hitting dead ends and go oh that's a dead end okay check that box hedonism uh, for teen for younger teenage souls okay um, uh, 
um, uh, militant uh, political career for a born again evangelist, a really young soul. Um, that they've got to go. They've got to do that until they dead end. They have to keep being a militant conservative religious um, uh, uh, red stater to ever learn that that's a dead end too. Just as much as on the other side, certain kinds of um, progressives have dead ends of their own too. Uh, it's not about red versus blue in that particular rubber meets the road case. It's about what what are the house rules that you don't know are house rules that you're abrogating. They haven't lived long enough to learn that, but they're learning it by living. That's why the magic, of the amazement, no sin, everyone, no sin. Even if you kill people, if you kill someone, you have to pay a really deep uh, karmic uh, 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 a price for that. But it's not a sin. It's simply the thing that makes divine beings saddest mm. is when we volitionally use our freedom of will to kill. Uh, and that 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 is primarily first with our own species, but it has it has shadowings into other species as well. So that makes divine being the saddest. It's the one house rule that it says deviates the most from its central heart. Uh, don't kill. Killing is a temp is a permanent solution in one way to a temporary problem. Yeah. Just like suicide is. Suicide's not a sin. Um, it's simply a, a permanent solution for that life for a temporary problem that next life you're going to have to recreate the same things again that that, that brought up your willingness your willingness to suicide and then not suicide because you've already it makes me uh, think of the uh, um, Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day oh, yes where he gets to do the same thing and there's he's sort of this nihilistic period where it's like oh none of this really matters and does whatever he wants kills himself I don't yeah. think he ever kills any other people, but he definitely beats some people yeah. up here and there. Yes, right. And then, right. you know, arrives at this realization, well, if nothing matters, then I might as well, he arrives at love in, in one way, having learned from the consequences yeah. of all of his other actions. Yeah, just take a Groundhog Day and make it um, hundreds of lifetimes and mm -hmm. not just one that keeps repeating. But what, he, what they get in that compressed version is mm -hmm. the principle that it's not what you do it's why you do it. Mm -hmm. Not what you do, it's why you do it. And if there's one mantra divine being wishes the whole planet would get today, you know, wishes got it yesterday. Um, it's not what we do that brings us further into our emoto spiritual authenticity. It's why we do it. And, and in that sense, um, it's all in our hands. It's waiting for us to choose based on our leading edge of being emoto spiritually mature version of being which we'll get to parsing a little bit more in a moment here it's waiting for us to create a world where its house rules are now intuitively arrived as the true truths of its of earth's inhabitants which is love first will second we have a will-based world not a love-based world love is there behind will is our essence but will is our secondary aspect of consciousness and what we've done is devolve because we don't have didn't have clear guidance on how to ripen and cultivate our our fourth chakra heartful loveness. We de devolved in this phase of our humanity's uh, journey um, into willfulness. So we have a willful run world. Everything's with will. Even the religions have horrible willfulness. More more killing and and genocide. And, and and suffering have done been done by religious 
teachings than any kind of humanistic teaching. Yeah. Uh, and so they're abrogating their own metaphysics uh, and justify it to themselves, more snake following, swallowing their own tail. So imagine the freedom you have. Even sagehood, really good teachers say freedom is not attained. It's you have it every moment to choose to indulge your illusory self or not. Uh, they they actually have good freedom of will. Um, it's never attained. Krishnamurti really was clear on this, Jiddu, um, mm-hmm. on how there is no such thing as seeking freedom of freedom. It's inherent in every now moment and now and now. Even if you followed your mommy and daddy's conditioning and got into the family's banking business, just because you're 10 years into it now, got three, two kids, and um, you're making uh, some good bank um, in the banking industry. Uh, and uh, just because you made that choice 10 years before um, doesn't mean that you, in the freedom of will moment now, that you can't quit. You see, there's mm. never any no freedom of will in any moment. You Now, the conditioning is powerful. Uh, it's very powerful. Uh, makes it hard to escape once you've chosen a track. But the, um, what they're really saying when people talk about freedom, it's, it's not that they want to be able to do whatever they want and think they can't, even though they consciously would. What's really going on is, is they don't want to deal with the consequences of those choices. Teenage, teenage. Uh, Which is a rejection want- of the very, I mean, it's like I, when I talk about this, I said that's like wanting to swim without getting wet. It's just not how it works. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the cake and eat it too thing. Yeah. It's a classic uh, teenage uh, phase. And if someone asked me a long time ago uh, about the to characterize the youngness, oldness of the planet and the majority. And I would say it's it's um, about 60% teenagers, 30% children, uh, maybe 40 60, mm-hmm. 50, 40, and 10 are are getting up there in soul age uh, incarnation, number of incarnations to be classified as elders. Yeah. So we're definitely in the minority. Identity is a paradigm, spiritual, emotional spiritual paradigm, humano spiritual paradigm for elder souls, because teenage ones uh, are too busy wanting their kicking it to kicking in two, and younger souls they want their big daddy in the sky because they're kids, they're young. As kids, as human children, we need to we need strong parent figures to guide us because we're new to the new to the planet, right? I mean, the monarchy that's still going on in in England. I mean, oh my God, only little children need mommy and daddy, queens and kings. Um, uh, and teenagers say there's no there's no king or queen but myself. And uh, elder souls um, uh, tend to um, or or teenage souls also. No altruism, sacrificial mm-hmm. sacrifice. They can they can be teenage souls too, of course. Both sides of the coin, but in the end, an elder soul um, uh, realizes that it's a ju- it's it's a melding of our will and the will of divinity, and it's our job to learn the house rules, not for it to tell us. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the divine divine being did not no one channeled divine beings will in any sacred book there's no sacred book that was a channeling from god i'm sorry if you if you learn to to know the divine being that is possible to know through the akashika uh which is the storage of all that has happened uh, in the human story her story and his story um uh you'll find that uh um it's all been filtered and compressed by the consciousness of the writers. Uh, and the 
And the reason we're left to figure out the house rules ourselves is because that's how divine being learns through us. It yes. doesn't want to just control everything. It wants to have, it wants to see itself. So it created sort of externalized, semi-externalized offspring. So it can learn about itself by watching what aspects of itself with free will do when it had, when they have free will. Is that a decent way of encapsulating that? 92%, 92.6 okay. accurate. Uh, the one thing though, um, that I, that I'd reboot about that wonderful explanation is that it didn't create us with its will it unfolded ah. without its will and here and here's why unfolded what it its will unfolded to itself uh. it didn't say i'm going to create beings who are like me but downline of me it just unfolded when when, when it says hey do whatever you like um unfold yourself whatever way you want and learn Mm -hmm. that's the way it learned about itself it unfolded mm. oh i guess that's me and oh there's another one. i guess that's oh matter uh. okay uh planetary orbs uh floating in free space oh what in this well, level like whoa. a fruit tree sapling doesn't know what kind of fruit it's going to create no. it's just like oh i guess it's apples i no, yes. i guess i'm an apple tree it's like that exactly uh -huh. and this is why it's not omniscient and i'm not omnipotent but it's omnipresent it can't help but endow us with freedom of will downline of its central being because it had to learn about itself in exactly the same way, just in its version. It, mm. it didn't make decisions, though, like we have to. It, it's, it, it actually unfolded the yin and yang aspects of divine being. It's a nice uh, cosmogony story, uh, ontogeny story, of course. And uh, as it unfolded, it didn't intend the next thing to unfold, but, and this is a capital B, but, mm -hmm. um, it's uh, whatever we call third eye, whatever God is in its mystery of being, um, no matter how much I experience it, I'll never know what, what it is in its fullness, of course. Uh, it it uh, In its unfoldment, it got a good third eye feeling picture about what the next unfoldment would be. And, and tried as best as it could to tweak its unfoldment. Sometimes it could tweak it, sometimes it couldn't. But it learned it's about itself in this exact same way. Although it didn't have freedom of will, its will unfolded without its intention. It just unfolded until one day, whoa, look what I am. Remember, God can't get outside of itself and go, oh, that's me. It, it has to learn about information in itself just by unfolding inside itself. So are you saying God doesn't have free will? I'm saying will is an effect of uh. her being, not an essence. Oh, right. Good. Right. Uh -huh. right? Yeah, good. As it's supposed to be for us. As it, it's, it's, it's the divine uh, model. It's mm -hmm. love first, will second. And if we learn how to be love first, will second, our life gets so much easier because that unfoldment is directly in alignment, love first, will second, with the way the divine being spark lives within us. And it may not make us Elon Musk's wealthiest man in the world. Um, likely it won't. Not this <laughs> Who somehow, despite all of that wealth, couldn't figure out how to send the right first email to the company he just bought for $45 billion.
Oh God, but Joseph, my, my heart goes to him because he's, he's on the spectrum, you know, like I am. Uh, uh, and, uh, he's got, he, he's like Bill Gates on the, both of them, the two of them, Bezos mm -hmm. a little bit less, um, mm -hmm. uh, autistic, uh, but bless their hearts. They've got this knack of money-making, but they have no idea how to relate to human beings. Yeah. Ask, ask Bill's wife. Um, oh, uh, yeah. They just have no idea what to do with what they know how to manifest. They just have no idea. Mm. And so there's there's Elon in the, in a, in a flash. Mm. At any rate, um, back to our original track here so we can complete for today's yeah. incubation. Um, uh, some characteristics about the real divine being identity invites you to consider. Um, not believe in. No, not believe in. Don't believe anything that identity mm. offers. Just what if? What if this were true? What would that mean for your life? That's mm -hmm. the practical application. There, it has no need for worship. Mm -hmm. It does not want to be worshipped. It is whole in itself and learns about itself every day and would only a vain, insecure divine being would want worship. I mean, come on. The, the, the God of Judaism, the God of Christianity, it mandates worship. It, it mandates that you give it glory. Yes, you have to serve the glory of it. I've never really understood the that. the glory of mm -hmm. God. It just goes, la da 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 oh, well, there's a dead end they'll have to learn through. Mm -hmm. It has no need of glory. It has no need of worship. It just wants to unfold itself through us, and it loves every bit of what unfolds. It even the atomic bomb in Hiroshima, um, that was a part of it dead ending with a certain decision tree right mm -hmm. was it necessary given the other will-based uh, one will-based uh, uh, set of the allies one will-based set of the axis uh axis and the um uh and what would they, not axis and allies axis the, yeah. the japanese yeah they were called Jap the axis powers yeah. yeah what when 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 those two willfuls had to um uh war for the um lifeblood of the world um, that bomb was one of the things that settled it. One of the things, not all of them. Hundreds of thousands that died, though. Mm. Think of it this way. From its point of view, our life, one, one of our lifetimes is a micro nanosecond. From its point of view, it knows we live out duration in this level, 60 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, whatever, and that's a lot of moments for us. But for divine being, it's a nanosecond. It gets that we're terrified of death because we've not been taught accurately about divine being and what's there is an afterlife and there is a whole system there. Um, it, it only mourns that. But from our its point of view, the hundreds of thousands that died, that was just one lifetime out of mm. an infinity of lifetimes for our souls. Yeah. I, I had this question the other day, someone, our souls were birthed but they don't have a death. Mm. We were born soulful souls, but we have no death. Uh, and so this is why logic and um, and dualistic this or that isn't, doesn't apply to a lot of divine beings' attributes. Mm. Uh, while everything is born, has to have to die. No, no it doesn't. Not in the soulful domains. God's not going to die. Um, and we're soulful offspring of it, so we're never going to die. That's what's so crazy making to me, Joseph. All these people, especially nowadays, scientists, we want to extend human life. Why can't we live forever? Oh Why God, can't we live? 
I mean, wait, wait, what? We already live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine what I want Stace's body and conditioning over the rest of my creation. My God, I'd be bored shitless. Well, um, they must be intuiting. That yes. If, some, they, on some level, they're, they want to intuit. They want to know their foreverness and they just yes. don't know how to get to it. Sure. It's just, tra- it's a tragic comedy. Oh, too. I know. It's absurd. Like, so it doesn't want it doesn't want glory it doesn't need worship and here's the big kicker for western religionism sorry i'm so sorry but it's just ain't so in my opinion in my experience of the divine being i know it has no requirement of obedience Mm -hmm. it does not need us to obey it already has a system that unfolded of its nature that's ultimately fair and just do whatever you want until you learn not to do that anymore. Yeah, it's like imagining like the ocean has rules for the fish. It's like, no, I'm just the ocean and you're going to find out what the rules are. <laughs> right. If you if you jump too high um, out of the water and somehow get carried aloft in, the, in a hurricane wind, um, mm-hmm. you're going to suffocate and die. Yeah. Uh, you see? Right, so, I've seen uh, videos of uh, f- uh, flying fish trying to escape uh, another fish predator, and they jump up in the air, and the birds get them. And it's like, yes. well, that's not, now you know. <laughs> yeah, until you're reborn as the next uh, fish. Maybe you're a swordfish this time instead of a shark. Who knows? Mm. Uh, so uh, in that sense, um, it de- ne- requires no obedience because it already has a system to give us infinite choice, 360 global um, spherical uh, choices in any moment, uh, guided by whatever value system we make up. It's the real divine beings uh, uh, value system, learn with love, three words, learn Mm -hmm. with love. That is its value system. Anything else is gonna be our will first malconditioning that gives us a different value system. And this is not saying anything different than what Yeshua said, what what many saints, sainthood um, people have said, even though they're in Western religionism. Just because they're in Western religion, religionism doesn't mean they're down, not downloading some aspect of divine being accurately. Right. Yeah. But it just doesn't require glory, obedience, or uh, or worship. Um, and and there's not and there's more than one lifetime. So uh, we all, all the religions and all the spiritual pictures and all the humanistic pictures all have partial truths. But humankind is threatening its own survival because it hasn't learned, learn with love, L-W-L, learn with love, that's its house rule. And to the degree we do not live it in a will-based conditioned world will first that gets us along in life will first um it's reasonable because that god said divine being says it's your life do whatever you want with it and will is the actuator whatever you want your desires right all it says is um just learn with love and so there comes points tipping points in different planetary systems where technology outpaces inner morality Mm. And, and those those civilizations collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that um, in in our own uh, on our own planet. So in this way, all these things we're saying, divine being 
wants you to succeed, not at making the most money, not having the best secondary sex characteristics that your culture tells you you should have, mm -hmm. um, not for um, saving the world uh, from the evils of GMO. Um, Divine Being wants you to learn with love and watch what happens. So without, with no such thing as sin, um, I'd like to uh, complete today with one other thing that we can start off with next time. Sure. And, and that is um, going a little further into the illusions of um, altruism, unconditional love, and sacrifice, which are the linchpins of both Eastern and Western religious teachings. Without those and without atheism being the answer, we have a whole brave new world that can tell us what, how to use our secondary characteristic of will to create our lives as humans. Mm -hmm. No altruism, no sacrifice, no, un no unconditional love. Um, they are, uh, those are all twisted, semi-ironic versions of truth that um, have led us to a darker place, not a lighter place. If it, if it uh, was going to work, it would have worked by now. Mm -hmm. Over almost 2,000, well, Judaism, 2,000, uh, 2,500 years of altruism, sacrifice, and um, um, obedience to God and, and sacrifice. Has it worked? Have yeah, we the answer created? is clearly not try that harder. It <laughs> no. seems to be kind of obvious. People right. have tried it really hard. Oh, God. It's just, it's, it's painful, but... Everything's unfolding in our present day as it is, as dead ends keep getting exposed in, um, in every domain of our life, personal life, political life, um, uh, um, every uh, scientific life. So in that sense, um, let's end today's um, uh, a podcast with there is a God. Yes, Virginia, there is a God, but it's not the God of your fathers and mothers. It's not the God of the Bible or the Quran or the, uh, or the Vedanta um, it's, it, or the uh, sutras. It's a, it's a God of love who gives us our lives as gifts and wants us to do whatever we want, never says anything we do is a sin because in the end, nothing, it, we never do anything from its point of view Take this with us, uh, take this with you at the end of this here. It, we never do anything that it experiences as something that, that we need to be forgiven for. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the crux of no sin. There's nothing we can do that it ever experiences we need to be forgiven for. Do we need to forgive ourselves for it? Karmically? Absolutely. We'll talk about karma's dynamic of not being punishment but of being um, self-forgiving. That's the goal of karma. We have to become self-forgiving, but from God's point, divine being's point of view, nothing we do ever requires forgiveness by it, only by ourselves. Okay, well, that'll be our part two. Okay, let's start with that next time. Yeah, well, thank you, Stace. This was, I, you know, at the end of these, I'm always supposed to say like, this was something and I'm not going to say it this time. All right. I'm just not going <laughs> to, this was what it was. And it was, I'm not even going to say what it was. Okay. Thank, thank you. Fair enough. You're so welcome. See you next time. Yeah. Bye for now, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.